Hello and welcome to Leading Into Tomorrow. This is a new podcast series from EY where we'll explore how public sector organisations can innovate to respond to future challenges and opportunities. I'm your host, Ollie Jones, EY Parthenon's Global Leader for Government and the Public Sector. Each episode, we are joined by expert guests for unique insight into how they have created new strategies for today's world and how they are leading operational transformation within their organisation to execute those strategies. Our theme in this podcast is digital transformation in government. Our guests are both joining us from Singapore. Chan Chao Ho is Chief Digital Technology Officer in the Singapore government. Hello, Chao Ho. Hey, hello, Ali. Good to be here. And Benjamin Chang is EY's ASEAN Government and Public Sector Leader. Hello, Ben. Hi, Ali and Chao Ho. Chao Ho, you joined the Singaporean government after a long career in the private sector in 2017. Can you paint a picture for us of the challenges facing Singapore at that time in terms of digital government? Yeah, Oli, governments are in a sense stuck in the past because many of the investments in technology were done many years ago. And uh, because of that, most of the government systems are legacy systems. They are not fulfilling service levels. There were cybersecurity issues. And those challenges have to be redressed very quickly. Um, and every year that passes by, it just gets more and more difficult to do. So, you know, when I first joined, my first year was literally fighting fires, right? Fixing big projects that was uh, failing, tackling cybersecurity problems, tackling user dissatisfaction with the government in terms of the interaction with the government, etc. And those were quite insurmountable in the very beginning. But we were looking at digital transformation to be the way forward to make that happen. Fast forward to 2021 and the government's positioning statement is a Singapore government that is digital to the core and serves with the heart. Chao Ho, tell us about the strategy you drove to build a digital government. Yeah, um, I think the the first thing we realised is that digitalisation in the government is actually a very difficult thing, mainly because, like most governments, it's a very big organisation. It's essentially very fragmented. You know, every agency has their own stuff. And we are plagued by for lack of a better word, a tech debt that was accumulated over many, many years. And the reason why I call it a tech debt is because all governments run very old legacy systems. And these systems are, well, in a sense, hindrance to progress, if you ask me. And because of that, we really need to do transformation right at the core. Digitalization isn't just about technology. It's about serving people. And I remember a phrase that one of my very senior ministers mentioned, and I thought it, was, it really resonated with me, is that the thing about technology is that we need to make sure that technology, we do things for the people and not to the people. And I thought that was a very interesting insight. You see, the problem is that most people are afraid that the government will use technology against them. But that's not the point. The point is that we need to use technology for them. And that's why this thing about you know, serving with a heart is actually very important. It allows us to be empathetic to how citizens feel about the interaction in government and how we can actually make that interaction a lot better and ease the concerns that citizens have. I'm wondering if I can ask you to give an example of how you involved citizens in the design of, of services. Most government agencies look at everything from inside out. Is that they look at their mission, they create something that they think that best serves their mission and they push it out to the citizens. And uh, one of the things I realized in the very beginning that kind of shocked me was that most people in the government never thought they have a customer. It was a very interesting concept. 
when I keep talking about customers, most of the government agencies and the, the senior people was kind of puzzled and said, no, no, we are not a commercial organization. We don't really have a customer. And that mindset change in the very beginning was paramount, meaning that we started to convince that we actually do have a customer. And who is our customer? Our customers are our citizens and our businesses that work with the government. Now, when that mindset changed from in to out to out to in, all of a sudden, there was a big realization that we are not doing a very good job. We realized, I think many people realized all of a sudden that citizens are not interested to deal with multiple agencies in the government. They look at the government as one government. Most of the citizens don't go to the government because they want to. They go to the government because they have to. I go to government because I have to go there to pay taxes, to, to sign up for something, to register a license, etc. So the concept is actually quite different and we need to kind of cater for that to make that process as seamless as possible. Ben, if I could bring you in at this point, you work with governments across ASEAN. Do you think this kind of citizen-centric approach can work in other countries, perhaps where citizens' trust and understanding of government is, is less strong than in Singapore? Yep, I do agree that you definitely need trust to do some of the things that Chahu spoke about. You need trust you know, to, for citizens to come forward and invest their time to share with you what the problems is so that they can then co-create uh, some of these solutions. You need trust for the private sector to want to be part of the ecosystem. How do you get, for example, the private sector to use a government's national digital identity platform as their authentication mechanism versus building their own? And you do need a certain level of trust to deliver transformational projects, right? The more transformational the project, the more complex and more innovative the technology, the bigger the user base, the more trust you need to get the adoption rates to be high. And you're probably very familiar with the saying that goes, you know, it takes years to build trust, but seconds to break and forever to repair. So what do you do is the question that you ask, what do you do when the trust isn't there? And my recommendation is really build trust. It does take time. Start small to, so they can demonstrate the results. So basically earn it. Build trust one project at a time. Thanks, Ben. Coming next, we'll talk about the execution of digital strategy, the huge task of delivering digital transformation in public sector organisations. Chauho, what stands out for you in terms of what's been different about your approach to executing the transformation? Governments outsource probably 95% of everything they do. Most government technology organizations are really project management organizations. They are not tech organizations. And um, over time, because of the lack of real interaction with technology, many government employees have become much more like a contract manager than even a project manager. So one of the first things that I did, and I was very concerned, is that how do we attract good tech talent into government? so that at least we can become smart buyers, number one, and even if it's possible, become developers of our own solutions. I started very much with a squad of seven people, and uh, fast forward to today, we got more than a thousand engineers working in the government, even from the FANG companies, from Silicon Valley, from London, etc. Singaporeans who have come back to Singapore who wants to work with the government to solve interesting problems. Now, that to me was a very big gamble we took, it was a very different approach from what most governments have been doing all these years. 
Can I ask you just one other question around that? I know that you have spoken before about the importance of innovation processes and and working with those outside government to innovate. And do you want to just elaborate on that and give me a few more examples of, of what you did to innovate? So along with creating an engineering culture was the fact that we had to create an engineering and innovation culture. It's very important because ultimately, if everybody is a civil servant and uh, I follow the, the same old process, nothing's going to change. So we looked towards the Googles of the world, the Facebooks of the world, and we kind of replicated the kind of innovative flat hierarchical structure whereby people were able from the the most junior guy to the most senior guy was able to contribute ideas and make things happen. So let me give you one example that we did when we first started. We were talking to the Singapore Civil Defence Organisation which runs emergency ambulances around Singapore and they found that they were struggling to meet service levels because they realised that for every call they have most of the cases that are critical, that involve, for example, a heart attack, etc., they have a response time of about 10 minutes, and they found it impossible to do it. So when they first came to us, the first approach was, can you guys use data science to figure out how to optimize the use of our ambulance fleet? And my guys did some work on it. In a short period of time, we came back and said, it's impossible. In a traffic jam, in a peak hour, you can't get an ambulance to your case in 10 minutes. It's, it's almost impossible. But one young engineer came up with a great idea. He said, why can't we crowdsource life-saving? If you have an app that onboard people with uh, Red Cross training, paramedics, doctors, nurses, people who are off duty, and if they are pink, when somebody's near them within like 400 meters of where they are, they can go there, start the intervention, and wait for the ambulance to come. So it was an idea from a very junior person, one of the engineers who thought of that. And uh, we tried it out, and in three months, we created an app called My Responder. And lo and behold, today we have like about 50,000 lifesavers around Singapore who can respond at any time. Now, that is innovation. It allows people to have a point of view. It allows us to test that point of view. And more importantly, is to allow us to be able to recognize the fact that solving that problem is not always a traditional method. That's a great example. And Ben, just turning to you, what are the key things other successful governments are doing to execute digital transformation? Based on what I've seen on successful digital transformation projects, I think there are two things that are common and present. And the first being commitment, right? And commitment comes from two groups of people. You would definitely have told me at the top, right? That's, you know, the first one, visible backing from the most influential executives. Now, the second group is also important and the commitment is really from the people who have to deal with the new systems, the processes and the ways of working. And so the question is, how do you engage them? How do you get their buy-in and better still, how do you get them to evangelize for you? So these are the people who have to live with the system long after the excitement of the system commissioning has subsided. The second point that I'm seeing is KPIs and it's about defining measurable outcomes. And these KPIs can really be tricky, right? And you need to be very careful how you structure them to get the right behaviors and outcomes. And maybe let me give you an example. If you want to break down agency silos and enhance citizen centricity, do you simply measure the number of data elements that are shared between agencies? I don't think that really solves the problem. And you may be able to get better results if you actually track the number of e-services that have pre-filled government data so that at the end of the day, it improves data integrity 
and also makes it more convenient for your citizens. So as you can see, having the right KPIs is absolutely critical to get the right outcomes. How do the next few years look for digital government in ASEAN? For me, I think the next frontier is really AI. The way I see it, artificial intelligence will be integrated and embedded into all aspects of our lives. Now, even today, we may not even notice how much AI is around us that's powered by algorithms and machine learning and data. We use algorithms and that determines what we see on our social media feeds. It determines which cat picks us up when we use the right hailing apps. It even determines which elevator comes to pick us up to the next level, right? So what's the difference and the game changer going forward? I think it's going to be data. As we become a lot more digitalized, as we roll out more sensors, we will have an exponential amount of data. With data, I think governments will be able to unleash the true potential of uh, AI. And when that happens, we can then build digital twins for everything, digital patient twins for better healthcare and wellness, all the way to digital twins for entire cities. And we could use this for things like simulating better mobility flows, all the way to assessing the impact of climate-related events on our cities. Thanks, Ben. And, and turning to you, Chow Ho, and focusing on Singapore, how do the next few years look for digital government in Singapore? Going forward, the next couple of years, I think the challenges are humongous. Huh? We now have to tackle very difficult and very challenging problems like healthcare, like transportation, like sustainability, etc. These things are really not as simple to solve, but technology seems to be the only hope, if you ask me, right? Healthcare, for example, if you look at COVID, what happened in the pandemic, technology came to the front for the first time uh, in full force versus, for example, SARS maybe about 17 years ago. And going forward, I think technology will play a very important role in healthcare. The next one is transportation. There's no question about it. Optimization, as we move more and more towards automation, etc., technology is going to be very important. And the third one, which I think we're all very concerned about sustainability. As Benjamin mentioned, data is important. Our ability to use technology to solve many of the sustainability problems like managing zero carbon initiatives, etc. Those things are going to be tough, but they are very meaningful. And if you can use technology and data to solve them, I think the world will become a better place. What's the key thing that you think you've learned about digital transformation so far? You know, one thing we learned very quickly was that you got to start small. The saying of start small, act fast, and think big. It's actually very, very important. And we, we kind of demonstrated that. You got to start small because you got to show results. Nobody's going to believe you and invest tons of money with you unless you show results. And you cannot achieve results quickly if you don't start small. So starting with an MVP, a minimal viable product, showing people that it can be done properly, gives people a lot of confidence that you're on the right track. So I spoke about my responder. The initial work that was done on my responder was three engineers, four months. So this is, I think, a very, very important part in leading transformation. Most of the time, people invest too much money and time in the beginning. And after a while, people get jaded and lose confidence in terms of whether it would ever happen in the first place. So if there's any advice I would give to people starting transformation, start small, act fast, think very big if you want to succeed. Ciao Ho, thank you. Thank you, Ollie and Ben. You know, it's been a great experience and uh, there's so much we can learn from each other. And Ben, many thanks for joining us too. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to be on today's podcast. 
Do join us again. We'll continue to hear from senior government and public sector leaders who are both setting and executing new strategies to meet today's opportunities and challenges facing the public sector. Also, you can subscribe to this series so you won't miss an episode. From me, Ollie Jones, Chan Chao Ho and Benjamin Chang, thanks for listening and see you next time. Thank you.